Okay, my next guest is a beautiful friend of mine. Pasha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jess. You are most welcome. I am so grateful that you're here. I do interview a lot of married women, a lot of women who are older. Um, and there was a real yearning, a, a real um, tapping on my heart, uh, a nod from the Holy Spirit. And I think, well, I know he wants voices from all types, all ages and stages on the faith journey. And this idea of, you know, finding your feet in your 20s as a young Catholic woman. Um, we, the women that listen to this podcast are of all ages, but they either have, are in their 20s, um, have just been in their 20s or are older and have children entering their 20s. So I think it's relevant for everybody. So I would love to chat to you today about finding your feet in your 20s as a Catholic woman. Um, how do you feel about that? <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm, um, I'm about to turn 24. So I've, I've been, um, I've been ar around in the 20s for a little while, but I'm sure there's still a lot to learn. Um, but yeah, I, I think the thing about aging is that everything's always new. <laughs> um, and like, what was what is old is familiar but what is coming is an entirely new adventure mm -hmm. uh, so yeah we'll see where it goes <laughs> right so let's start with who you are and what your life looks like right now well um I'm single I live at home uh, with my family and my dog um I work full-time um I do you dance by, by any chance? I do dance. I um I've recently discovered the wonderful world of West Coast swing, um, uh, which is it's my happy it's my happy place. Um, I feel most like myself when I'm dancing. There's just something um so freeing about it. Um West Coast Swing is um is like a very smooth um sort of version of the typical swing dancing that you see mm. um it's just um it's very groovy um it almost reminds me of two people kneading breddo with their, their hands <laughs> it's really it's really hypnotizing it's equally hypnotizing to watch wow. um as it as it is to dance like you should you should look it up you'll get on a on a rabbit hole you must um, be the best party guest to have over like because you know when they put on, it's dancing now and everyone's kind of like hanging around the edges. Are you right well, in the middle? This is the thing, like one of the, the greatest things about West Coast Swing or any kind of partner dancing that I don't have to think about what I need to do. I just let the guy lead me and wow. that's 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 the joy. Um, so in a party situation when there's a big circle and I get thrown into the middle, I have no idea what to do. I'm so out of my comfort zone. But it was funny. I um I I actually started dancing as a um as a way to overcome the fear of dancing. I was just noticing I was getting really self-conscious um when I'd be at parties and I was like, what is going on? Like, why am I like this? What's wrong with me? And um, I was talking to a very wise um, 
you know, um, like spiritual mama kind of figure. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I think you need to, I think you need to like dig into that. Um, and so I started, um, I started with Zumba um, at, at, at the gym. And then I went to salsa dancing, which was incredibly fun. Um, and then I discovered West Coast Swing and that, that at the moment, that is where my heart is. It's where it's um, at. It's so cool. <laughs> once a week or once a week. Um I've been I've been a little sporadic with it just sometimes where it can get a bit busy. Um, but it's it's always the place where I just like don't have to think and let go of all control. It's so good. <laughs> it's probably a a, type, a form of, of therapy or a de-stress or you know, a release maybe. Majorly. And it's also really um healing I think even on the on the um like from from my femininity um I think it's something that I feel like a woman um and I feel um it's that especially in like in a social dancing setting um you know someone will often ask you to dance and you have that whole dynamic if someone asks you say yes, that 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 um that chivalrous question um and and the response and there's something in my heart which just delights um in that and um it's also uh but there's also an aspect of of play and I think especially in West Coast Swing um that style of dancing is very orientated towards play and just just can get fun um it's not um yeah it, it, it's just it's very innocent um would you say um you struggled with your femininity or with your with not not um how should I say not more more the shape of your like your your curves and things like that would you say that this has um shown you how beautiful it is to be feminine yeah, I, in um in various ways, it's 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 interesting because I think um like as little girls, we're so not conscious of anything. Like of of uh, we we can um dance and delight. Sometimes I see these little girls go up to the altar at, at mass, um, and they'll be like praying or they'll be dancing, and they're so not a care in the world. They just know that they are delight to the father and at some point down the track, you know, um, there's a part of where, where that, that joy and that delight maybe got rejected or, um, it was hurt and slowly bit by bit, like these hearts just start to close up. And that is definitely, was definitely my experience in, in various ways. Um, Mm. sometimes I think body image issues, um, yeah, growing up and, and just sort of, wondering where these curves came from and um like even um like even culturally like um I'm Sri Lankan and like like it's not uncommon for aunts and uncles to comment on your body shape and um you know and I guess they they mean well but um uh, assuming the best they mean well um but it's not exactly motivating. Um, neither is it helpful. Um, but um, I think as well, it's um, 
there's so much like I think like especially for young girls going through puberty if it's it's like puberty is a very scary time um especially when your body's changing but then also people start looking at you differently mm. which then their their way of looking at you also informs the way that you look at yourself mm. um and so often you know you you know you go from like I'm sure like most of us have had it, an experience where you know maybe the the shorts that we wore last summer was set, like as as a little girl was suddenly like no you should change your outfit you know or um or they simply that, don't fit anymore <laughs> yeah or they simply don't fit and and there's a whole heap of different like yeah things that that come with that um and um and I think I've um like even um yeah with our, our clothing um like what we what we're given um to wear and um even even like say for an example like school uniforms um <laughs> school uniforms like sometimes they they suit they set they suit certain people's figures great and other people they just they just don't but this is the thing like um it was funny going from wearing school out like my school uniform like like five days a week and that was mostly the way that I saw myself and being in a really boxy blazer and I was like oh I look so um you know like like what was in my head was I look so fat I could just like it because it was just so bulky mm. um and I had you know these lovely pretty popular girls were like walking down like they look so like neat and trim and put together I was like, look like a drink of water yeah yeah, and, and it just suits them so well. And I was like, well, that must mean that I'm ugly. That's that that was in my head, the logical assumption. But mm. um then you come out, uh, it was um you come out of of um of school or you you know, you might start taking an interest in fashion more and you start experimenting, trial and error, looking at what suits and what doesn't. And that I think even even that can be really helpful as you start to see yourself in, in different silhouettes and different shapes. Um, helpful then, or hurtful, did you say? Help, it, it, can be, it can be helpful, um, especially, well, I, it was helpful for me who I did not suit my school uniform. <laughs> um, and so it start, suddenly when I found myself being able to wear different okay. things and, and realising that it, like, Hang on a minute. I actually do have a waist, and yes, I do. You know, I do yeah. have, I do have aspects of my body that can be tailored yeah. to, to look. But I know, I know, I, and I'm so okay with this that I'm just not a blazer girly. Like I'm just like, and I'm happy with that. Maybe I'm like, I'm like a scarf girly. I'm a cardigan girly. I'm not like a. I'm a I'm a trench coat girly. I'm not okay. a blazer girl. You're finding your feet in your twenties, exactly. right? Exactly. I'm finding my wardrobe. <laughs> um, no, it's it, actually my my journey with fashion was was um a very very healing as well. I was um I I was really um like modesty is a bit of a 
a hot topic, I think, as you're, as you're, I, I don't know, um, maybe, maybe like everyone in the 30s and above has already dealt with uh, the problem, but I, I remember it just being something that I was just trying to figure it out. Um, especially like I've, like my family, I've always been Catholic and cradle Catholic, um, always went to mass every Sunday. Um, and like, but but I think I I didn't really start to understand um, how loved I was by God um, deeply until I got into or at the very end of high school, um, and and it was because of that I went to ACYF um, in twenty seventeen. Um, What's that? And, it's the Australian Catholic Youth Festival. It was held in Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, and there was, um, we had Lexio Divina. And um, can you explain to the listeners what that is? Oh, yes, of course. Lexio Divina is a practice where um, you listen um, to the word of God um, and you you notice how, how, um, how God might be moving and speaking to you in that. Um, it's a contemplation of the word of God, um, we can, you can place yourself in the scene. You can let those words and Christ come to you in your present. Um, and in this experience, it was like, it was a massive stadium, but I felt like those words were from God just for me. Um, and it was, um, just the words from Isaiah, just that you are precious. Mm. And, and, understanding my identity is precious that's his that's god the father's word for me mm. i'm precious um that really started i'd been to world youth day um uh, the year prior um but i think i came and i had this amazing experience but i came back and things were like my life um at home was was getting really chaotic um and i think i got really angry with god uh, really angry with him. And I didn't really, um, I, I was still going to mass, still practicing my faith, but I was, I was angry. Um, I couldn't understand how um, he was so good. And uh, he told me he was good. He showed me he was good. He showed me he'd love me, but then he let some things happen. Mm. Uh, and that was a real, like my heart just sort of froze. But this, experience opened it once more um and I went into uni I started um at the the University of Notre Dame um I was studying nursing not practicing anymore um but that I went head first into uni and um the chaplains it really helped me grow my faith uh, massively um but little bits and pieces where I was having more of an opportunity to encounter Jesus and um and really start to hear his voice and know his heart and I was like I don't even know what your voice sounds like people are telling me that you can hear the voice of God and I don't know what that sounds like but um I heard you once maybe I can hear you again um and yeah but even it's it's interesting because I think I had these these 
I think everyone has every woman um men too but like women like I think we really there's this fundamental desire in human person um to be seen and for women it's no no different we, we we just desire to be cherished desire to be loved we desire to be delighted in be precious be precious mm. um and yeah and and we want to be delighted in you know um in all of us but um i had this i had i went in like even though i had heard from god in in that in that scripture like you're precious I had this, I had now this, this, um, this firm belief that my heart was precious to him, but I had no, like, I was like, my body, that, that's, that's, that's not, that's nothing special. It's nothing to talk about really. Um, and I like, you know, going head first into like wanting to discover the faith, wanting to be pleasing to God and, um, wanting to love him, wanting to, um yeah wanting him to delight in me I was like well I I really want to do this modesty thing well um but I didn't realize it until um you know a a couple of years later that um I was entering into modesty with this real um self self-hatred of loathing of my body um or this this firm belief that you know my broad my body was you know a walking occasion of sin um and and that um and it that both complicated modesty um as well as what you know what a walking occasion of sin is for people well i think know what you mean by that Sometimes, um, like it's one of it's one of my pet peeves. Um, I think when I in in sometimes the way that people talk about modesty is a as a way of preventing other people or men from falling from falling into looking at you lustfully. Yeah. Um, and that can be a really big problem, especially especially for people who are new to the faith or discovering it for the first time, because um, one, um, there's two extremes. One, one is that someone who has um, a, a mind or a heart that's motivated to lust, um, it doesn't matter what you wear. It really doesn't. Like you can be wearing, like you could be a nun. It, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and at the other hand, you know, you can wear something like it, it, to be immodest means that you have the um, the intention to arouse. Um, and sometimes you just wear something because it's cute. It's just cute. And you're not intending to arouse anyone or arouse the interests of anyone or attract anyone's eye. You're just wearing it because it's cute, it's comfy. You like it. And you like it. Maybe it's yellow. Yeah. Um, like it's just I love I love wearing yellow. Um, I feel that's that's what I feel most like myself in as well. 
Um, and Jess, I think I think you mentioned that was yours, your thing too. Yeah. So yellow, yellow twins. Um, but um, yes, I've forgotten what I was going to uh, say. Sorry. <laughs> um, the the pet. So uh, being modest. So how do we like? We wear things because we like them, not because we're intending to arouse anybody or yeah. to, you know. But I think that when when we're taught, when sometimes when um, even very well-meaning people um, who you know want to um, help, you know, like maybe maybe remind you of your dignity, but they do so in a way that. Um, that really points out that your body is is a problem. Yeah. Uh, what like your body is being exposed. You're being scantily clad. You look cheap. You know, very various iterations of okay. the above. Yeah. You, your fault. Yeah. And I think within that, they miss the the vital moment, which is an invitation to realize that, you know. Um, you're so beautiful and that it's because you are beautiful um that that beauty the the only right response to that beauty is to be loved and not to be used mm. that's, that's the so only beautiful. right response mm. and um that's like it's all jp2 <laughs> that's not me um but it's it, like JP2 would say, you know, a person, um, it, it, they're due. What is just to the human person is that they are to be treated as a subject of not as an object of use. Mm -hmm. And modesty serves, um, should serve to remind you of that. And that's something that encompasses, it's a whole virtue that encompasses, you know, your yes your your clothing but it encompasses your actions and your words um which remind people that you are a person to be loved mm. to um to be honored can i um so going back to when you um decided to you know you jumped on this i, I want to be super modest and and you you kind of touched on the idea that you it was out of self-loathing would that would, would that be correct in saying that yeah well this is the thing it my relationship with my body really um initially like when I was a teenager when my, my parents or other people would speak to me about modesty I would really struggle to get that point because I didn't think my body was attractive anyway so what's worth protecting like no one's going to see me as an object of use because I'm not attractive, not desirable. Mm -hmm. And so for me, at when I was a teenager, it didn't help at all. So, but I hadn't gone from that place of realizing that I was attractive or desirable or, or beautiful physically. I was like, oh yeah, my heart, my personality is beautiful. But, you know, it's like there was this real duality. I was like, not really happy with my body at all mm -hmm. um and I hadn't healed from that and so then when I went into um you know um 
my modesty journey, I just took that route. I just took it. Um, there wasn't a sense of, oh, I'm I'm beautiful and therefore I need to be protected. It's it's I I was like, okay, I'm ugly and no one should see me. Hmm. that sort of that that and it's very like I'm I'm being very blunt about it but that's that that's at the heart of the lie yeah um that's, that's a that's a common lie that women swallow young girls swallow hook yeah I don't think you know cover up you you're cheap or you know that looks um that looks ugly you know looks too tight on you doesn't fit you right you know um and I think often, often when um, you know something doesn't fit, we say, "Okay, oh, our body is just ugly, or it's broken. too bad, or it's too, too, it's broken, or it's damaged." We don't. It doesn't occur to us that the clothes might not be working. Um, for some reason, we just think, "Okay, it's definitely our body's fault, not the clothes." Yeah. Um, and that that applies to to personal style as well, and it's. It's interesting because um, if we if we think more deeply about modesty, modesty is a way of um, communicating something and communicating someone, um, which is ourselves. So if we look at okay, well, what what is our our address, our action, um, our words, or what are they communicating? Okay, we're an object of love, but who who is this object of love? So then we get into, um, if we see modesty that way, and then we look at taking the fashion aspect, like do our clothes communicate us to a certain extent? Like what, like if, if like often when, you know, people talk about modesty, they're, they're like, okay, like, like it's because holy things, holy things are covered. Like if the, like, like the tabernacle, Jesus in the Eucharist is is stored in the tabernacle, um, and often the um, the tabernacle will have a veil over it because holy things are covered. And so, sometimes when people um, explain modesty, they they do so like that. But then, if you, I mean, you can take it a step further to tabernacle veils. Um, like sometimes they change for the liturgical season. Sometimes you'll have a green veil. Sometimes you'll have a purple tabernacle veil um, or various things. Why bother? And it's simply because it's communicating something specific about the season. And um, similarly, like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's the whole thing of, okay, like there's certain um, ways that we can communicate that yes, we're not we're not an object of of use, um. By by perhaps like, um, you know, revealing, um, revealing who who we truly are in our beauty and in our femininity, which is not cookie cutter, um, it's not a cookie cutter, and I think we have, like, I look at all my friends, they're so different, so different, um different ways of um different professions different ways of being different ways like things that they think about and approaches to problems and different senses of style and different skin color different eye color um certain colors that they can wear that i definitely could not that's a beautiful thing um 
and so yeah there's there's um I think that that's where personal style um when I started really examining what modesty was from the place of what it's saying yes to and what is it revealing I realized I needed to um before I could communicate myself, I needed to understand myself and I needed to understand that I was beautiful. And these things, specific, not just in, in a general, oh, every person is beautiful, but to identify things about my body that I liked. Well, if, I, if there was nothing that I could identify that I liked, I needed to start working on it <laughs> and learning to... Um, to let the Father delight in me, let Christ the Bridegroom delight in me, let the Holy Spirit delight in me. And often I think that was that was really helpful because for me, I I couldn't look at the mirror and say, I delight in me. And often, often, you know, in secular media, they're like, you know, you gotta love yourself. Self-love. Yes. You're beautiful. And you know, like you look at yourself with with um, fragmented eyes. You don't see yourself as you truly are. Mm. Um, like, and I know, like for me, I can go from um, thinking I'm like ten out of ten to one out of ten in like a couple of seconds. Like it's, um, and then all it all it takes is for something to go wrong on a good hair day, and you're feeling. <laughs> completely different <laughs> um and so like letting the father who is consistent letting jesus who is consistent letting the holy spirit who is consistent all of eternity they're consistent their love for you is eternal and it's consistent yes god is full of surprises but the way that he looks at us never changes mm-hmm. and um if you want greater um security in yourself self-image and self-worth it has to start with jesus because um yeah he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow and the way that he looks at you um will be the same yesterday today and tomorrow the same when he looked um, at you before before your parents even knew you <laughs> he looks at you this with the same intent as he does today as he will in eternity yeah and and he sees like he's he's it like I think often you know um I remember I was listening to an abiding together podcast and one of the one things was that you pick out a photo of your younger self and you just spend time with that younger self and I remember like I have photos of me when I was five and I would say I was an adorable kid adorable and then I I would always say that something went drastically wrong in the next couple of years. And I did not like the way that I looked when I was, you know, um, you know, anywhere from the ages of like nine till 17. I was like any high school picture, sport picture, didn't even do much sport, but like, it was like, I was like, no, I don't, um, and my dad one day, um, well, I think, I don't know if it was one Christmas, he decided the best thing, the best Christmas present would be to make these massive photo collages. Um, because my mom had been pestering him. He, she was always like, 
that's like we've always got the photos on on the digital space but we'd never see them we never get them out and so he was like one year he just did it he printed out like hundreds of photos and he laid them out in collages and I was trying really hard to be grateful Jess I was trying really hard but some of the photos were so awful <laughs> and I just I was trying to be like, oh, dad put so much effort into it. And, you know, I'm sure he thinks I look fine, but I don't look fine. Um, and now I see them every time I go into the living room. Um, and that was that was before I did this exercise. Um, so what and did you say to that self? I have to almost force myself or, or I need to ask myself how God, how God would look um, at that little girl. Is there something that I can say to praise that little girl mm. about her hair, about her cheeks, mm. you know, to say that she's really cute? You know, it might be a really, like, my dad has this awful habit of, of taking photos of us while we're eating. I just don't, like. I don't understand. I don't understand at all. Um, and like, it, but it's just like to just to to try and and if if you're struggling to um to ask to ask the Lord like give me your eyes of delight mm. so that I can see myself the way that you see me. Mm. Um, and and help me because I'm really struggling here. And if, like, m maybe before you go and give that part of yourself, that compassionate, kind, delighting part of yourself to your younger self, maybe you just need to be affirmed by God in the now. Hmm. That's like a really just... hard thing to do, I think. Mm. Like, I'm just thinking of myself and I know the pictures I'm going to look at because they're they're etched in my memory and looking at those pictures like it's hard to say find like when you were saying find something that you like about those pictures I'm thinking I don't know what I'm going to like <laughs> which part maybe 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 the I don't know the hair I don't know but this is the thing, like, I think, yeah, you can, we can find something that, you know, might be, but the reality is that every part of us, every, all of us is delightful. But the thing is, we, we think that because it's not magazine worthy, it's not delightful. And I think the only way that we can approach this is with the eyes of Christ. Because our eyes have become so tainted and so um, distorted that we cannot see yeah. the beauty that he sees. I have to put his eyes on. Um, yeah. I think and there's, I mean, there's also an aspect of um, of reality that needs to come into place as well, mm -hmm. um, which is that, you know, we're not photogenic 100% of the time. No. And and that's okay. That's a part of being human. Mm. Um, but because 
because it, like not just are we seeing it in you know media or people's you know um Great. feeds as they as they're coming through um, um but like like we don't we don't look at ourselves when we're not photogenic we don't even spend time with the we're just like okay that was a terrible one delete 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 yeah, and and you pick out the best ones, or like you know sometimes on the on the um on my phone sometimes you know they take like those live photos, but then they'll say they'll have the photo at the <laughs> bottom and just be like pick a better shot. I was just like okay, all right. It's um like we don't we don't look perfect a hundred percent of the time, and. But yet we are delightful 100% of the time. Yeah, there's a distinction. But also, yeah, we're, he, delight, he delights in us regardless of whether, you know, we've got parsley in our teeth or not. <laughs> yeah, but it's because it's not the, it's not the parsley that's beautiful, it's you. <laughs> um, and... And that's um, it's it's interesting because you know if if we were to approach a real person and you know they've got parsley in, in their teeth, we don't say you're ugly. Sure. <laughs> we don't say you're ugly, or you know maybe maybe someone would will will you know have like a quizzical expression on their face, or like they'll like pointing to the tooth. No, next one. Yeah, over. Or like maybe maybe there'll be a, a, a split second like, I don't know, like oh, double just... chin or whatever. Like I don't know what it would be. But we don't then go on that one instant and then say, you're ugly. Mm-hmm. But we do that to ourselves all the time because we captured the one second yeah. where we thought that we weren't physically beautiful and then we judged the whole of our body, soul, and person as like that's it, mm. and it's so um damaging. It's so yeah. There's um one of my favorite quotes from Father Jacques Philippe. Um, he says, um, "I'm going to misquote this terribly, but um, he says, in a in a in a world without mercy, we are doomed to success." Um, and that, I remember the first time it hit me, um, I was like, my whole perfectionism made sense. This sort of sense of, because I can't accept God's mercy, because I can't even fathom that he could be loving me, delighting me, being merciful to me in this moment. I have no choice but to succeed. I will, I, I, and if I fail, I will be doomed. Like, like it, it's just sort of this thing of like, you have no choice but to succeed. You have no choice but to be beautiful. And like, but this is the thing with Christ. Like, yes, we have to choose, but like the battle's already won, and we forget that. <laughs> we forget it, and eventually, you know, with with perseverance and grace and grace, lots of grace, we'll succeed. Yeah, there's a certain hope. Um, and you know, like that's that it's that 
that balance of knowing and being honest with yourself and saying, I'm not beautiful 100% of the time. I'm not perfect 100% of the time. But am I delightful to the Lord 100% of the time? Yes. 100%. Am I, am I kind of, um, like, if I stay close to him and if I choose him, do I ha need to have any doubt that I'll get to heaven eventually? And I can put on with that patience and that um, that perseverance, but also a real trust in his timing because, you know, he's got it. Yeah. And that's true for all eternity. He's, he's, he's like, and even when we, like, I was thinking about this recently, um, that because because God is outside of time, he can't be impatient. Hmm. And but then, how do you reconcile? Okay, he's not impatient, but he he can be sorrowful. He's infinitely sorrowful and infinitely joyful at the same time. It's mind boggling to me. He, he's both and, isn't that? He's both and, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. there's a sorrow that we're not with him yet in heaven. But every time we we turn to him, every time, you know, we 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 love, there's an infinite joy. Mm -hmm. And um that joy, like this is the thing, when when we step towards God's plan, um, and we we make those acts of love, it's fundamentally we're participating when we turn towards God participating in his life in his grace and when we do that those those things that we choose in that they echo for all eternity like like our sin will eventually like it'll be gone it won't be sticking around At the end of time it will all be gone but what will remain it'll be love and we can store up as much as we need to here, but that will echo for all eternity. That that um just those consequences. And that's even in the really little things, in the way that we step into the light of who God sees us to be, to the extent that we're living in his truth, in terms of the way that we look at our bodies and the way that we look at ourselves. Um, or the way that, you know, we love each other, um, the way that we choose what is good, um, what is going to lead to our freedom. Every time that we choose that, it echoes for eternity. Oops, that's there. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's just really it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, and it's true. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, Hash, let's change course for the moment. Um, finding your feet in your 20s, that it's inevitably a time when you start or you've already started to look for prospective lifetime partners. Um, so how, how do you navigate that time of your life, dating and chastity, I suppose, in your 20s? Can we chat about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, no, um, this is great. I think um, 
like rotation starts to become a little bit of a buzzword um, in your sort of young adult life. And um, I think like often there can be a real tendency to rush into discernment because um, we're avoiding the, the waiting. <laughs> we want to do something to avoid the waiting. Um, but there's so much grace in the wait. Um, and that took me a little while <laughs> to come to. Um, I'm quite a passionate person, so I'm often like going this way and that way. Um, and I think one of what sort of changed and, and started to flip that on its head, um, not just in, in just sort of having like the platitude of like, there's grace in the weight, but really starting to become excited about discovering who God was calling me to be in this season and and for and then to prepare me for beyond. I think it's really like if we think about any vocation, vocation is um a calling, but in every vocation, there's a huge aspect of gift of self where we give of ourselves to whether that's in marriage, whether that's to um to to God in a in context of a religious community or the priesthood, um, for men that is. Um, and so like I think that um, if we then take if we if we know that we can then take a step back because um, to give of oneself to someone else you first need to possess yourself um, so self mastery and not in a really ascetical sense um, although that with like certain aspects of that can help um, it's really looking at the fundamental question of freedom. Mm. Um, as children, like, and I think we touched on this a bit before, like as children, we, we are quite free. Um, there's, there's not, um, um, there's not as, as many, um, things that are, are like, or patterns of sin that have sort of started to set in and that are really keeping us back from being our true self. Um, the person, the woman that God intended us to be. Um, but as we, you know, get older and um, we, you know, inevitably come face to face with the brokenness of the world, brokenness of relationships, you know, that hurt um, can settle into us in ways of either where we're running towards it, we're trying to avoid it, and in doing so we create other hurts. Um, and that can, all of those things can really inhibit our freedom. Uh, for some for some that might look like um, issues with, with emotional boundaries, um, issues of being like unable to say no, always needing um, the like um, like being being really afraid of people's rejection and therefore feeling trapped um, into doing certain things, acquiescing to certain requests or various things. Um, for others, it can be a real like um just pursuit of of pleasure uh, which it, a pleasure is not a bad thing in and of itself but um when we run to pleasure to escape from pain um we lose the graces that are found in embracing that pain face on with Christ um embracing the pain without Christ just leads to despair um so 
Um, and often because we we don't know how to go to those places where we lack freedom with Christ, we'll flip between the two. We'll flip between despair and we'll flip between addiction um, or like, you know, seeking out these pleasures. Um, and so I think that um, a part of singleness um, and it's really like whether that's something that's um, intentional, like if you if you feel like you're, you've jumped from relationship to relationship to relationship and you've never had a time of being single and you're afraid of being single, maybe, and, and this is not a, an instruction, but maybe a time of intentional, a, a time-stamped intentional period, period of where you're not dating could be helpful, whether that's six months or whether it's a year, but it's important to have a clear goal. Um, it's not just a dating fast run away from marriage or your vocation um, it can't be motivated by fear it must be motivated with the desire to know Christ more to enter more deeply into him and knowing him and knowing who you are through him um at the other hand like if um you know if you the opportunities for discernment are not popular popping up but you're feeling really anxious because it hasn't come and everyone around me is starting to date and get engaged and have babies and um enter into convents um it can be really hard to sit in that season of singleness without becoming resentful mm. um or without you know um despair yeah despairing or longing to be in the future the ache, so much, ache. Yeah, the ache. ache. and the ache is real but actually leaning into the ache can really actually prepare us for to receive that vocation it's like a stretching of our hearts mm. um and that that's also the grace of being present in the ache mm. but you know we stay in the ache but we also do things you know um it's it's not a passivity um, there's there's so much that we can do in um, in a season of singleness. Um, and the first and foremost thing would be um, to really strengthen your prayer life. And if if that seems um, you know, like I think a good like whether it's um, like a good starting point is like say 15, 20 minutes of prayer every day. If you, whatever goal you set, just the key thing is to remain consistent. So don't set a huge goal that's, you know, unachievable, unattainable, and then, you know, go hard at it for a week or a couple of days or two weeks, or maybe you'll succeed for a month. I've never succeeded for a month. Like my nine-year-old son. My nine-year-old son's Lenten promises were cold shower, sleep on the floor. <laughs> I don't think he's done either of those. Mm. I said, I think you can't start like that, mate. You've got to start small. <laughs> and there's there's humility in that. Like it's it's a part of embracing your littleness. Yeah. Like you don't have to be, you know, yep. tough boss Catholic woman to please God. Like you can. I read something the other day. He receives every single thing that we offer to him. Everything, the smallest tiny glance or, you know, um, a redirection of our mind. He receives all of those gifts. 
Like there's yeah. nothing that he does not receive from us. And I just thought that is so comforting because sometimes all I can manage is a glance, you know, and he receives it. Yeah. And it's 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 really good to like when when we're in seasons where we can really build up that consistency to do so. But there there are gonna be some seasons where it's really, really busy and the only thing you can make is a glance. But make the glance count. Yeah. Be present in the glance. <laughs> and um, you know, I think that that's that's really important because the only way we can really um, you know, um understand who God is calling us to be is by knowing the voice of God. Um, and I think, um, I'm not sure if you've heard about, um, I guess, the idea of um, charisms or like this, I mean, Sherry Waddell, she's a um, quite an influential speaker in the Catholic world. She's um, She works with the Catherine of Siena Institute in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but she talks a lot about really discovering your charisms, which is, Charism is um is a gift um of the Holy Spirit um which are it's almost like um looking at ways that God delights to use you um and as we grow in our spiritual life as we grow in um, maturity in faith um as we come closer to God as we gain more freedom um these things certain there will be patterns in your life of the way that God chooses to use you um to bring other people to him mm-hmm. uh, to make the beauty or the truth or the unity of of the church known to the world um and when we start become attuned to that start becoming attuned to that um we can really it makes the discernment of where we're called, whether that's in career, whether that's in um, ministry, um, whether it's just in our personal relationships and just praying like, okay, Lord, like I feel like you constantly love using me in this particular way. Um, send send me the opportunities well, and just testing how that feels um, and, and, you know, becoming more aware of that. And that's also humility. Saying that you have these gifts, knowing them, um, and then, you know, offering those gifts to others in humility, um, it can really help. It can help us um, also avoid, um, it, it, not only, it not only helps us, um, like, like obviously bring more people to Christ, but it also helps us have delight in knowing how God is using us and reflecting on that because God loves using you. Like you, like just, you can, you can like love like no one else can. And that's simply because you in yourself are unique. Like if God wanted you to love like someone else he wouldn't have created you mm. and um in a similar way these these different gifts um for the communities that we're in each of us has something really unique to bring to our relationships to our workplaces to our um you know school life or uni or various things so 
um, and to our families. And we aren't going to really become aware of that if we're constantly seeking out the next thing. Um, there's so much grace and so much wisdom to be found in the present. Um, so I think that's that's the first thing, even before jumping into discernment. Um, I think, yeah, the next thing, though, however, um, which happens before um, and then while as a, as a constant, like, examination of conscience is, I guess, your disposition to vocational discernment or dating. Um, like I'll, I'll just um, talk about dating first. Mm -hmm. Would you be um, the disposition of discerning a relationship and marriage must be one with a healthy level of uncertainty at the beginning. <laughs> um, in the sense of it is, it is, you're still, you're looking for something to test. And I think often um, it can be really easy to get caught up in the excitement of a new relationship. Um, and these feelings are intense, they're, they're, they're strong. Um, but just always to keep the forefront of this is this is a test until until I know more until I know better um I'm going to be testing um myself my disposition and the things that I'm learning through um entering into this relationship but I'm also going to be testing him as well and seeing if he's if both of us have the capacity to love as we are called to love. And that's something that, you know, you can learn to only to a certain extent when you're single. There's a different set like set of um, tools that you will need and you will acquire in the dating season as in the engage, as in the new, like it just continues. Um, One doesn't and, fix the other. Like it just because, yeah. yeah, you don't get married and all those problems go away. Yeah. And is a new set yeah and you also it also means and this can be really scary for people um who really crave control and certainty and security you can never be totally prepared for the next stage there's always going to be a level of risk um of you know you're getting your heart broken <laughs> um or um there's a certain level of risk of of falling of um of you know being confronted with the ugliness of your weaknesses um and that's kind of necessary mm -hmm. it's 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 an well not necessarily the, the falls of the heartbreak but it's necessary to accept that that might become a part of your story because without that we don't actually have the vulnerability um to love but also but, we don't have the um we don't have the capacity. We can't, but he can. Um, and I think those things we're faced with those things because we realize that we have our limits. Mm -hmm. Um, but with him, we have to keep turning towards Christ. These are opportunities to keep turning, turning back. Yes. And I think that's why it's it's this constant disposition. Um and it, that's why the disposition itself serves in, as an examination con of conscience because you can go into the relationship like really knowing that, holding to it, 
And then after a little while, you're getting really comfortable with each other and, you know, it's, it's going really well. You still have to keep it there at the forefront of your mind um, and still keep on testing. And it can become exhausting, but it's really important to remember because, um, like, I mean, even when you get married, they are not yours. You are not theirs. And even when you get married, you are each other's only for a short amount of time. Mm. Um, so that's that's very important. Can I just, um, what about, what do you say to those that are like perfectionists and are always, um, it's, it's never perfect. You know, you've got to test it, as you say. You have to test it. Is this person really bringing me closer to Christ? Is this really where I'm, you know, is this the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? There has to be an element, I suppose, of trust in God's it's, plan. Like that, you get those perfectionists to say, "Oh no, it's not. It's not. It's not good enough." How do you? What do you say? I to think them? it's it's like walking on a tightrope between um, surrender and justice. <laughs> it's really, it's very challenging, and I think that um, it's. I would argue it's impossible to do alone. Um, I think that not just um, like yourself and, you, you know, obviously you, you're you praying to the Lord directly in your prayer. So it's really important to have your own prayer life, um, not just a, like spiritually, like growing in your spiritual connection, praying together is, um, it can be a really beautiful thing and a, a very good thing to strengthen your relationship and see, um, you know, um, See if you you can break together and can, you know, uh, hold each other up in that way and testing his spiritual leadership as well. Um, like that that would be an important quality for me as well. <laughs> um, but um, so having your own prayer life is important, but also I think getting spiritual counsel, spiritual direction um, can be really helpful. Having very... Um, Trusted friends, and uh, like this is distinct from this is not gossiping. Um, I think if you have, um, like you think about your bridesmaids, and like your bridesmaids should be people that are going to hold you accountable to your discernment, as well as help you to pursue, um, not your own good, but the good of your marriage which includes your own good. Um, but it's something that, like, I think if you if you have um, those friends or maybe it's just one or two um, where you can be really honest and you can say, hey, this is a concern here. Is this, is this am I overthinking this? Is this too much, May? Um, or is this a red flag? Or is this, um, and those, those friends, like that's another important thing to find during your singles single years as well. You need to have people that are really going to pursue your good and who are not afraid to call you out mm -hmm. and become receptive to becoming like being called out. Um, that can be really helpful. Um, but the caveat to that is honesty. You need to be honest with them, meaning you don't hold back about your fault or his or trying to you know um 
it's it's um often if if you don't trust that they're going to uh pursue your good or they're not going to respect him you're going to end up like it, it can be very tempting to just hide things in order to protect your relationship and protect your own decision <laughs> um and that can be um like at at its um it can be sort of at, at its um at its best it can just be unhelpful and at, at its worst it can be dangerous um so i think that that's that's an important thing um and then as well um i think the um like schooling yourself in what love is schooling yourself in what um healthy relationships look like um and that can be a, by hanging out with people that you um like I'm really blessed to know so many beautiful married couples and I love spending time with them um and that gives you a really good, honest picture as well. If they're if they're your friends or if you have the privilege of being their friends, like um, you'll see that it's not always a walk in the park, <laughs> but you'll see the love shining through. Um, and it can be daunting for perfectionists as well as for those who are very afraid because we've all had experiences and whether that's in our own homes or we've seen it in other people, people that we love, um, we've seen examples of broken relationships and deep down, there's always a fear that we're going to end up like that. And the reminder is that without God's grace, we will. Yeah. We really will. Like it, there's nothing stopping us from going down a path without yeah. the grace of God. Um, and the grace of God as well in others in our community. Um, so building up your community um, and making sure he has his own community and um, and his own friends, his own brothers in Christ that are going to do exactly what your sisters in Christ are doing for you. You are going to be able to call him out. Like it's something um, you can tell a lot about a person from their friends. Like I think it's very important that you have time with your girls he has time with his guys and that those meetings are really um they're fruitful they're with people that are pursuing um christ and have similar ideas like that like everyone can have a variety of different friends um but naturally if, if you get into a relationship you're going to have less time especially if you're you know working or studying um like or have like major commitments, your your time the time that you need to discern a relationship is a lot, um, and it's something that you need to give time to. You need to give time to spending time with each other in a group setting, um, in one on one time with your families if if that's possible, um, as well as time by yourself that's detached from the other entirely to really get an objective perspective mm -hmm. time girls um all of these aspects are really important and they're the things that will help you discern well um but i think it can be also really easy because we live such busy lives to get very caught up in the relationship itself and forget that okay because um because, oh, like, I'm only going to be able to see them, you know, 
twice and so therefore I'll, I'll skip my thing with the girls I can always text them again it's really important to spend quality time with the girls that have been walking with you and for him as well for the guys that have been walking with him mm-hmm. if, if either of you don't have um you know solid friends who you can rely on to help you know get your your butt to heaven um it might be um like I think that that's really important to have before entering into a relationship. Um, Where do they find them? Well, um, I think a good place to start would be, um, it depends on, it depends on your state in life. Um, so with, if you're in universities, most universities will have a chaplaincy. That's a really great place to start to make friends. Um, if you're someone that's n- not gone to university, maybe you've gone tra- into a trade um, or into, you know, just starting work, um, there are groups that are built for young professionals um, um, in Sydney and surrounds. That would be a good like place to start or a young adults group that can be um, like those, those sort of aspects. You can also, if you um, sometimes, you know, if like, you know, you can go to retreats, but actually, hold, I'm, I'm going to rewind that. The first thing you need to do is pray. <laughs> pray for good friends and ask God to send them to you because then you will meet them in the most unlikely of places as well as those you were expecting. And yeah. all of my closest friends, um, they have come into my life in a time when I was like, Lord, I really need a friend. You need to send me someone. And I have friends that I know, like, in different seasons of my life, we've gone really deep. And now that, you know, we're still close, but we just don't have as much time for each other. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that, you know, you let go of them completely, but that's just a part of growing um, and growing out of circumstances. It doesn't mean that 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 friendship was never a friendship that person might have been there to walk with you very intentionally during that season of your life. They can still continue to be there. But if you're entering into another season, um, and I've had this happen before, I was like, oh, my gosh, this one friend who's been walking with me like, and made my life like so much like more bearable. Um, they're now like getting married or they're moving overseas or like whatever it is. And in recognising that, you know, you have two temptations. One is to really... Um, you know, despair and, and, and like sort of just say to the Lord, like, why are you taking them away? I've been there. I have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, the other option is to be like, okay, Lord, like it's, it seems like I'm going into a new season because all of this stuff is changing. Please send me a friend to walk with me along the way. It's um, also that, that um, disposition of surrender. Let him write your story. It's an adventure. Like yeah, pray for cool. those friends, ask for them. What you know, watch and see where he where he puts them in your life, where they turn up. It's it's the most beautiful adventure if we see yeah. it instead of why have you taken them away? It's taken so long to build this relationship and now they're gone. Mm. Like and you wouldn't be surprised as well if they come back into your life over years later. Yeah. Um it's a similar thing as well for um you know, if you if you grew up with like friends that are now like you know, they, maybe they were never Catholic, maybe they were and they're now not practising. 
And depending on your stage in your spiritual life, sometimes you might need a little bit of distance so that you can really become secure in your own faith and and maybe you need to invest in, in different relationships more heavily for a time. But when you are, and if you've if you've done um if you've said to the Lord, like, Lord, these relationships, like if you do what you will with them, if you want them to stay in my life, like let it be. I guarantee you, God will use you, like down in the future. It might be years from now. Um, but if you're open, like God will use you in those in those friendships as well, in very unlikely ways. Mm. So um yeah, that's that's very important. Friends. Friends are so important <laughs> in every season, um, whether that's discernment or or in your vocation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, anything else before we land this plane? Is there anything else in relationships in this season of your life um, trying to be a faithful Catholic? What is What is some advice that you could give women? Mm. one piece of advice, 17 pieces of advice, just a nugget that they um, take with them. Gosh. Um, well, we haven't we haven't gone into chastity very much, unfortunately, because of the time. But um, I will say this. Chastity is the greatest test of love. Mm. It is going to be a struggle for everyone. Mm-hmm. Although for some people it might be different ways. Um, for some people, some people are going to struggle more with trustity than others. And that just might be because of our broken schools of love. If you've had um experiences with promiscuity um or you know addiction or um and I hope none of you listening have experienced this, but like sexual assault. If that's if that's there, you might struggle with it a lot more. Um, but that's okay. If you're struggling with it a lot more, that's not something to be ashamed of. Um, the struggle itself is not something to be ashamed of. Um, a greater struggle can produce a greater virtue Mm -hmm. if we unite it with the grace of God. Um, but it's also important to realize that it's very possible to be on the same page with someone in terms of chastity and the fact that you shouldn't, you know, you have your boundaries, you don't want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, It's very possible to be on the same page but not be equally yoked in the struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, and it's something that the way that you struggle, um, the frequency in which you fall, the way that you talk about it after, and um, all of those things can really indicate, um, like it's not like for any different um, seasons or different experiences. It's it's not improbable that you know one person might have more of be at more at fault uh, in quotation marks. Than, um, can you can you explain what unequally yoked is? Mm, okay, so. If you think, okay, the, the whole analogy comes from like two oxen pulling a plow. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you want to do is you want to have equal drive to pursue 
the virtue of chastity. Um, you might have similar ideals, but if one of you thinks it's way more important than the other, um, there's going to be tension. And just because you've talked about it and you're on the same page in terms of, oh, we shouldn't do that, um, like in terms of the negative aspect of, I don't want to do that. Um, the drive to choose love is I want to love in this particular way might be different. Mm -hmm. um, and that might be different for very different reasons. And it doesn't mean, um, I think it can be very easy to conflate worthiness of love with readiness for marriage. Mm -hmm worthiness of love everyone is worthy of love mm. regardless of um how many times we fall um our past um the the temptation or the um the incessantness of it and the the intrusiveness of the temptation everyone is worthy of love however in order to be ready for marriage we need to be free um and you know, some people are called to grow in that freedom in the context of the relationship. Others are called to grow in that freedom apart from one another. And you might enter into a relationship thinking, okay, I've, I've got freedom in this area. And it might be a revelation to you or the other person that you're dating. Actually, hold up, I'm not free in this area. And then the, the question of discernment becomes, are we called to grow in this together or are we called to grow in it apart? And that's a very serious question and it's something that you can't also take for granted. Just because you are together, it means that you're called to grow in it together. It's why the disposition is really important. And you have to be radically, sometimes painfully honest with yourself about readiness for marriage because justing, just because... If they're not ready for marriage, but you are, um, waiting in the context of a relationship where you're falling a lot into um, into sin, and it it might it might not be the healthiest thing. But, and this is also this is not a substitute for um, spiritual counsel. This is where being very having a spiritual director someone that you seek out spiritual advice who's trained um and being very honest about the circumstances that um you know that in confession like it's it's kind in number often um and sometimes you have really amazing confessions where you can go into that like in the context of a retreat but often it is just kind of number. this is why spiritual direction is really important and that's also where you can bring up, okay, if you're falling, like what what were the circumstances that led up to it? What were the thoughts and the emotions that were leading up to it? What made you say yes or what made you say no? Or um, the other thing is like it's very if 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 someone is pushing your boundaries, um, and I'm not talking about like um like in, on the intellectual level, um, like where if you're having disagreements about your boundaries, that's kind of a red flag. Um, but if you both agree on the boundaries, but in the moment they get pushed either by yourself or, or him, that's a cause of concern. Um, it might indicate that, um, that either, you know, 
you either one or both of you aren't aren't really convicted mm-hmm. about the goodness of the virtue and the, the necessity of it. Or if you feel like you really are, but it keeps on happening and you, you know, you've talked about them, there might be a possibility of coercion or manipulation going on. And that's quite serious. Um, and it's something that that's why I would say taking it to the the um your trusted spiritual director, seeking out that counsel and being very honest with the circumstances of that um, is very, is very important. It can actually um, help you navigate because if we're falling a lot, if, if, if a couple is falling a lot, um, there's, there's always a reason why we turn to addiction or to pleasure. And when it becomes, um, if it ever becomes a habit, uh, then it's also something, it's going to, one, be very hard to break because um, the it's very possible with the grace of God, anything is possible. Um, but there, there are also the, the chemical, physiological bonds that have come about. That's another thing that you need to push back. It doesn't mean as well, like, if you've fallen, if you've gone all the way or if you've gone part of the way, it doesn't mean then that you're definitely called to marry that person. You can't let sin guide your discernment. Mm -hmm. God guides your discernment. Like, redemption of your sin is in Christ alone, not in making that sin right again, you know, um, in quotation marks right again in the context of marriage you know these things hurt the the sins because they hurt they um and even if you know you don't really feel like you're being used or you know or that and often it's a mixed bag Mm. there's love there's love there's genuine like when it's good there's love there you know it can be really difficult to tell this is why it's very important to be radically honest and to have regular spiritual direction um and have your own spiritual directors it's really really i cannot emphasize that enough and that you need to be seeing those spiritual directors regularly um especially if you've struggled um with sexual addiction in the past um and you you know you're noticing you you know you're getting into rocky territory like make it at least once a month if possible yeah um like and have a priest that you trust or a sister that you trust, like someone that you, um, you know, has, has schooled you, right? And that's also where, you know, I would recommend having spiritual direction when you're single as well. Because, again, coming to a deeper understanding of who you are, what your, what your patterns of sin are, um, what your gifts are, um, where are you feeling called to, and it helps you because our you know, where we can't see sin in isolation of our wounds and confession is great in taking care of those sins and wiping them away and, and stopping um, stopping us from, you know, getting pulled away from Christ. But we also need those wounds that are underlying those sins to be healed and we we need to go to them with Christ and can be really helpful to have the guidance of a spiritual director. 
mm. um, to help you navigate that. And just ask, ask the question, why? If you're falling into sin, just go in with that curiosity. Not like, how could I have done that? Yeah. I can't believe I've done, I, I've done that. Yeah, um, I think I think what you are saying is that um, humility really is the underlying. We just have to be very humble and not surprised and begin again and realise that without him we could do anything. You know, we can, yeah. on our own, we're, we're really a basket case. <laughs> yeah, and also like. And what, don't be so surprised that we do fall, but when we I, do run back to his arms of mercy, go to confession, seek out good guidance. Yeah. I mentioned as well, like it, on the point of good guidance, one, one little caveat. Um, I love your caveats. <laughs> There's so many caveats. It's, it's nuanced, okay? This is not, it's not an easy, like. No, it's not. And every, every and case, this. every person is so <laughs> different. Um, individual and different and unique and mm -hmm. we take we, we you know one size doesn't fit exactly and that applies especially to advice and it yeah. can be really, um yeah. so let's like, we have caveats too may our words not be, we don't <laughs> <laughs> we don't um and like but even if you go to you know you trusted trusted girls you're like okay sis this is this is the situation um or you know you go to your your spiritual director and said this is the situation. Um, the advice that they give you, you still need to test and discern because if you follow that advice and you find it's not working, yeah. don't say to yourself, "Oh, but it should be working." Yeah. Um, like this is the this is Catholic advice, and I'm Catholic, and I need to surely this should be, like, is there something wrong with me, or like we just need to be patient with this? If it's not working for you, you have to set a different boundary. Again, because everyone has, everyone's limits, what they can take is, um, or what is going to constitute an occasion of sin for, for them or for you is going to be different. For some couples, it, you know, they can, um, you know, they can, they can kiss and it won't be a problem at all. And for others, it's like, I'm sorry that I would love to, but like, that's, that's not an, and. It's part of that humility of being like, okay, this is it. And that's also where the whole equal yoke comes in because you might have the ideal of like, I want um, to give myself totally to you in marriage only. But if the other person is like, well, like, you know, and, and you're saying, okay, well, like actually kissing is, is, is sending me to a place where I, I don't want to be right now. Um, like this is leading quickly into arousal. If it's if it's if it's causing arousal, which is meant to lead us to that fullness of the gift, um, you know, it's it's preparing the way to give of ourselves, and we're not ready to give of ourselves. We haven't made the vows yet. That's 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 not a good place to be in. But. Your, and this is where chastity becomes the greatest test of love. If you or your, you know, your the guy that you're dating brings that up and you're not willing or he's not willing to meet you there and set the boundaries with you with that equal drive, that would constitute you not being equally yoked. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even if you, you know, he gets advice, you get advice, you know, don't like, I've, like, I've, like a great piece of advice that I heard was, um, you know, display your affection in, um, in public, but never in private. For some people that works really well. For other people, it's like, no, that that's actually making me want to do it more in private. So it's, it's like this, this, um, this whole thing of like you, you test it and you might try that approach. And if you find it's not working and it hasn't worked, don't like set a different boundary. It's okay. Just because father so-and-so said it and your spiritual director said it or your friend said it and they've, they, you really trust it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Um, and it's just humility. Yeah. It's um, chastity is something that I like to think of um, when the data dating period. Uh, actually, even with marriage, it's like it's sweeter later. It's always mm-hmm. sweeter later. Mm-hmm. It, like waiting now, doing the due diligence now, loving each other well now. And there's so many different ways. Like I mean, just like you're married um, and you would know that like it's like I think a lot of unfortunately a lot of people seem to think or single people dating people just think that marriage is just sex on tap there's it's going to be times where you're going to need to abstain like when you're you know just recovering from surgery and just giving birth like there's like so many reasons and various things or you're simply exhausted (laughs) yeah and so schooling yourself, it's not just a thing of, okay, I'm waiting, I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding until I get to marriage. It's just, okay, we're building up a virtue so we can love each other better during marriage when it's going to be even harder because we're already used to having intimacy in that way and cultivating it, um, natural fertility when it's it, the Creighton model of natural fertility awareness um, speaks about an acronym called SPICE, which is um, our spiritual, physical, intellectual, creative, and emotional connection, Mm. Um, which in the different ways as person to person, man and woman, we can connect. Um, And when you're not able to do as much in the physical intimacy side of it, whether that's um, in the context of dating or when you're, you know, you're unable to enter into marital intimacy in the context of marriage, you need to rely on the other other aspects. So strengthening your spiritual connection, going to um, going to mass, going to um, to adoration, praying for each other, praying with each other, um, that sort of thing. Then um, your SP, uh, intellectual reading things separate apart talking about like whether it's theology whether it's good books um poetry um you know consuming good art it's really important mm-hmm. um having that creativity then um like going you know money like i love dancing um gardening but, together yeah, gardening art cooking yeah. like 
There's so many different things. Macrame, crochet. I don't know. Explain something that works. Um, and then the emotional as well, like really um, being able to, if you don't have the freedom to be emotionally vulnerable, meaning um, if you're afraid to bring something up with the person that you're you're dating either because they'll they'll you know ignore you or it ends up in a big fight or you know they get really upset um that's not a place of emotional freedom and um like I think you know it can be really it can be easier to identify when um I would say when like it's you know they're ignoring you or they're you know getting angry with you the emotional sort of like you know, um, like just breaking down. And everyone, yes, have it has a, has a space to be vulnerable. But if it's a constant dynamic, um, of you know, you bring up something that you you want to raise, and you try to do it as gently as possible, and they can't take it, or vice versa, looking really honestly at you every time they try to bring up something with you, and you're like, ah, oh. one or both of you is not emotionally free. And that's not going to help with your emotional intimacy, which, you know, translates as well. Like all of these different aspects of um, our connection translate into the physical intimacy as well. Um, and then in like if, if you're lacking in that emotional connection, it, even in the context of marriage, if one is lacking, it will be reflected in your physical intimacy as well. So um, that's that's something to say, like, chastity in dating and really running with it and being excited about it chastity isn't something to be like oh my gosh we have to be chased because church told us to it's a really exciting time where you get to discover how to love each other better in a way that's going to set you up for success in your in your newly married life mm. and Again, it reverences one, it, like if, if you are called to be that with that person, it will be so much sweeter later. If you're not called to be with that person, it will be, you will have saved that gift. For so the much one. sweeter later for whoever yeah. it's to be. And, and also to know in your heart that you have reverenced and honoured this person who is not yours. Mm. Mm. Mm, it's like it's this it's this this beautiful triumph of yes I honored that person this this person who is creating the image and likeness of God not only did you, sorry not only did you honor that person but you also honored the person who is meant to be with that person yeah exactly and this is a beautiful gift of charity mm. of of really um is you have the opportunity to protect one another mm. and so, you can you can, there's a there's a great joy in being able to do that and even discerning out of a relationship where you have done that and it's a triumph for you it's a triumph for god it's a triumph for your future spouse their future spouse and them like what a triumph this mm. is something to get excited about people mm. like it's really that's really marvelous. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we can run into. Um, like, yes, and there will always be a little bit of fear. But like if we can like go with the grace of God and just say, like, God, give me this, increase my desire for this, increase my excitement for this, you know, increase his excitement. Yeah. 
um, and let me know and let that be a sign that we are equally yoked. So beautiful. That's, yeah. Thanks, Hasha. That that's such beautiful, hopeful, um, optimistic encouragement for women in their twenties finding their feet. I'm very grateful for you and grateful for your um, wisdom. So thank you. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for having me. It's been welcome. Delight. Um, I do love talking about stuff. Yeah, well, you talk with such passion and such conviction and hope, which I think is what is needed because, you know, we get fed from the world that, you know, we're oppressed and, you know, you we're always being told no. If you're, you know, a good Catholic girl, you're you're missing out, you know, you live half a life when really we have the fullest of, yeah. um, of what it means to be alive. Yeah, and but even like. It's really free. Like for me even like, like even with, with any of this stuff, um, it can be so, somewhat easier when you know the truth to be like, okay, well, the world doesn't know as much. But when you come face to face with your own weakness, it can be a real temptation to despair because you're still human like the rest of the world. You're just choosing to uh, a different option. Mm-hmm. Even in that moment, there is still joy and hope to be found. Yeah. Uh, even if you've stuffed up multiple times, even if you've gone all the way, it like go to confession, it doesn't matter. There is a new beginning for yeah. you awaiting. And you can get up with um with peace and with hope and with joy. Um, but also with honesty and humility. Yeah. Um to really run because then the adventure, it'll be a roller coaster, but it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> also, also that that thought that the enemy loves to put in us that, oh well, you've fallen your damaged goods, he's not going to love you anymore. Like it's it's that like pushing you down, uh, you can't get back up again, but we can and we we do. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't love us any less mm-hmm. than how, how he loves us right now. And right now we are, you know, we go to confession. It doesn't our sins are forgiven and erased completely, but it, he still loved us back then as much as he loves us now. Yeah. And he's like, it's, it's a, it can be a really painful exercise to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, humiliating. In the areas of your deepest shame. I love this quote. He's there. I, I didn't. I didn't know that this. I. I. Sorry. I, that wasn't a quote. <laughs> Saint Irenaeus. Saint Irenaeus. In your what? deepest wounds, in my deepest wounds, you. I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like, in my deepest wounds, you saw me and I dazzled you, or something like that. Wow. I had yeah. never heard that quote. Yeah. I'll. I'll pop it in the show notes because <laughs> it's really beautiful. Yeah. Saint Irenaeus. Right. If you're if if the shame of previous like falls in chastity either in a current relationship in a past relationship is coming up, remember Jesus is there, but not even remember ask him to show you if that memory comes up, knowing knowing that Jesus is there, 
like say to Jesus, where were you? And I guarantee you, if you are open to that, he will actually show up in your imagination, in, in your memory. And sometimes it can come in really bizarre ways. Yeah. Like I've had healing of memory for various different things. Sometimes I found him in a painting and he draws me out, like through the painting out of the memory or various things, right? This is this is the heart of prayer, of meeting, of where Christ meets our broken heart and he invites us to dance. Mm. And that's, that's something that is um, like the healing. Um, I heard this recently, like psychologists, psychology and it is it tells us it tells us what um it, it reveals psychology reveals um but jesus heals and it's a it's a beautiful integration i do recommend therapy um and and psychology to identify these areas and these patterns of of our hearts and spiritual direction that can come up as well but the actual healing of memory comes in inviting Jesus into those shameful places, mm. into those hurt and wounded places. And that is a greatest adventure. So, yes. Well done. So it's St. Augustine, not St. Irenaeus. And he says, in my deepest wound, I saw your glory and it dazzled me. How beautiful. He gets it. <laughs> he does. He does definitely gets it. Hasha, uh, yeah. what's brought you joy this week? Ooh. Well, um, I'm on a couple of days off and I am very excited about the sun. I was gonna say the weather's pretty good for a day off. Oh, I'm going and I'm I am planning on going and sitting by the water and maybe having a little dip. So I'm very, very excited for that. <laughs> well, I hope you do because there's nothing better than putting your body in water, especially mm. the ocean. I hope it's mm. the ocean, not a pool. <laughs> it's it's a river. Oh, that's so, it. Yeah. <laughs> By the river. Uh, yeah. What's brought me joy is this discovery of um, my new favourite coffee and it is a shot of espresso with grated orange rind and I just um stew it what do you call that like you just let it sit in the coffee and then you put in ice and sparkling mineral water and it is to die for so you're welcome in advance for your <laughs> next favorite type of coffee <laughs> that will be my next food food beverage adventure yeah. just try it it's really worth it <laughs> All right, Hasha, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and go and enjoy that river. Thank you. <laughs>